Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And today, today, today is Friday, and it's at some point in October, and it is the year 2022. Carrie's flipping me. No, you're showing me. Is it 21st? Yep. I thought you were flipping me off. Seriously. That's going to be like, Carrie, I'm cutting your pay. My godson and nephew Michael is here, and I'm so fired up about that. Okay. I love him. I'm serious. I just, ah. Uh. So, um, a special shout out today to our sponsor, Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore, where you will not get the plague. And if you do get the plague, your money is, comes back to you after you're dead. They don't want to give it to you while you're alive because then they would lose money. Should I not have told that part? Uh, money back if you catch the bubonic plague while in their store. So uh, today's going to be question and answer day. We are loaded for bear. We got a ton of questions, and I'm excited, I guess. I mean, not I guess. I, I don't know what word I have. There is anticipation and my heart. But we're still welcoming more questions. Oh, yeah, please send more. Because I will go through these with an alarming rate of alacrity. Is that the word? Alacrity? Does anyone know? Am I using that word right? Alacrity? Can you look that up? Yes. I think it means like speed and efficiency. Because it's Latin based, right? Anyway, uh, so first question on what books are you working? I, I'm in a fiction stage right now. Um, one of the, my only nonfiction I'm really working on is uh, Mere Christianity, which I'm reading through again thinking that I might do a whole series on it. I truly think that's the most important book, oh, the most important book that a lot of us could read. Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And it's very readable. This is what I love about him. You read this, and the way he makes it understandable just absolutely astounds me. Nonfiction, I'm still totally, completely, eighth grade girl, boy band crush on Mark Lawrence's writing. Uh, you may remember, I, I read that whole passage for you uh, about that guy in the, in the book Prince of Thorns. Mark? Mark Lawrence, I think I'm saying it right. Um, so he wrote the Broken Empire series, which is what I fell in love with. And now I'm reading the Red Queen series. And I just, I can't get enough of this guy. His writing style, uh, man. Like, I was always a Stephen King guy, and I don't like horror. I hate horror. But King is so much more than that. And really, the problem for me came when I got on Twitter. And he tweets every day, and it's awful. It's just political hackery, and and he's just, I don't know, it broke my heart. Uh, so I gave up on him, um, and I've not had an author I've fallen in love with since. I've had authors I enjoyed. But so those are the books I'm getting after right now. It's all fiction. Uh, just to kind of, my dad pointed this out to me. Um, it's like you read too much heavy stuff, you know. Uh, although I am listening to an incredible series of lectures, 18 hours of lecture, and I've got 45 minutes left, called uh, Supernova in the East, and it's about the rise of post-industrial Japan, and I cannot get enough of it. Um, so I've got that going for me, too. So those are the books I'm working on. Uh, okay. Hey, question. 
Do you have the Great Adventure Bible? Do you know why Esther is out of order? Uh, yeah, I do have the Great Adventure Bible. Uh, I haven't really probed it deeply yet. If Esther appears out of order, um, I would assume, 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 he's just trying to get you in a chronological order, okay? So the Bible is nowhere near in chronological order. It is grouped by type, okay? So your first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are actually one book that's called the Torah, okay? When you see like the law, that's what in the Bible, that's what they're talking about. But then you get into the sections, the historical books, and the historical books, first and second Samuel, Kings, Judges, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, those are all grouped together, but they're not in order of their happening. Um, well, ish. And then you have the prophets. And what's funny is when you look at the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Billy, I'm just kidding about Ezekiel. Uh, when you look at those three, their events line up with the historical books, even though they're later in the Bible. It's because they're not grouping them by the order they happened in. If they did, the book of Job would be way back in Genesis chapter 4. Um, uh, so you get me? And then they have Job linked in with wisdom literature, and then, which includes the Psalms. We always used to do that. That's P as in pterodactyl. Did I tell you about the student who got the tattoo with the Psalms thing on it? Did I tell you this? No. Oh, bless her angel heart. So she sent me a picture. She's like, Father Joe, I got a tattoo and it's it's scripture. I said, oh, sweet, show me. So she sends me a picture and she has, and I forget which one it is. I'm going to make up the chapter and verse. And it says, Psalms 104, verse 1. I'm like, well, it's just Psalm. That's, that's one Psalm. Psalms is the book of Psalms. But that's a Psalm. It's Psalm 1041, but I didn't tell her that. I just went, that's sweet. Because it was. Whoever did this, beautiful art. But I couldn't, I've never told her. I hope she doesn't watch. My students don't watch this. Uh, <laughs> they're like, we heard his crap for four years. Okay. Alacrity. Alacrity. Brisk and cheerful readiness. Brisk and cheerful readiness. Can we use that word more? I, can we all just agree we're going to use the word alacrity? We're all going to be in a state of alacrity to use the word alacrity. I'm feeling alacritious. <laughs> I just made that up. I made it up. What's the word your dad made up? Oh, irregardlessly. Irregardlessly. He'll, oh, he'll say that, and it's just so funny. He'll go, irregardlessly, which is a made up word. What's the other word everyone uses wrong? Literally. Did you see that on the Grand Blank group yesterday, Carrie? No. Some poor sweet woman put, does anyone have leads on places that are hiring? And the first response was, literally everywhere. And I'm like, no, I'm not hiring. And I'm here, so it can't be literally everywhere. We've actually not just changed the word literally, we are using it for the exact opposite like, I think I told you, one of my nieces was talking about some politician. She said, he is literally Trump, or literally Hitler. I know what? No, Hitler's dead. So he can't be literally Hitler. 
<laughs> he can be figuratively Hitler, but I don't see six million. Okay, stop. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I would assume Esther is out of order in the sense that they inserted it in order. So when did Esther happen? It would be after the book of Jeremiah, before the book of Ezekiel, historically, if that's helpful. Sometime around the book of Second Kings. Okay. Is that good? Mm. And if I'm wrong, then it's them being evil. How can someone talk in a sensitive, I'm the wrong guy to ask, in a sensitive yet loving way about returning to the church when they have been hurt by a few people that they perceive as hypocrites for being a good person at church but not always outside of it? How can someone talk in a sensitive Okay, let me make sure I got this. So you're person A, and you want to talk to person B in a loving, sensitive manner to try to get them to go back to church, even though they've been hurt by people there who are perceived as good people, but they aren't good outside of church. Do you think that's it? Am I reading it right? Okay. Well, uh, the church is filled with hypocrites. And if it's not filled with hypocrites, it's because there's empty chairs. Everyone there is striving for an idea they haven't hit yet, right? If they hit it, they probably wouldn't be there. Yeah? Uh, we remember Jesus didn't come to call righteous. He came to call sinners, which is good because we're sinners. Yeah? Um, what you want to keep in mind is a couple ideas, okay? So let's say I'm a person who goes to church and everyone thinks of me as wonderful. But then when I'm outside of church, I'm a jack wagon. What you want to remember is that's their punishment. Like, we want them to get caught. And okay, great, I get that. But know this, their lifestyle is punishment enough. They are not happy as they are. And the fact that they're fooling good people isn't a sin on the good people's part. You get me? Like, that's happened to me. Uh, that's happened to me where somebody I thought was a great person, always helpful and helping at church, and then you find out they're secular business practices. They're savages. Um, that wasn't my sin. That was theirs. Right? Well, maybe I was naive. Okay, I'd rather get burned for being naive than miss all kinds of beauty because I'm cynical. Yeah. I think when you talk to them, that's the key. One of the things the devil does is he messes with our head and we forget that sin is its own punishment. Right? So um, you, you, it sounds like you've got somebody who hurt a friend and now that friend wants to return to church or maybe you're trying to convince them to, but their big stumbling block is that person this bad person, I think you want to remind them, are you jealous of them? I mean, again, don't do it that way. Because that's what I find Christians get sometimes. They get jealous of the fact that bad people succeed. I see that. Look, I'm doing this, and you know what? I don't know why. Have I ever done this before? Yes. Really? What is this? Okay, it's got a twitch. Yeah, that's what it is. It's probably the Holy Spirit. Um... I never know how, I'm losing my ability to be sensitive on these things because I've countered it so much. Mm -hmm. So that's why I worry about my answer. So let me just do the stone cold answer. And you pray about if it's your call to deliver it lovingly. 
How's that? Right? Here's the stone cold answer. As a guy who has been from a young age hurt by the church, and frankly, by people in the church that the church treasures and honors. Okay? So I don't say this with no experience. My only question that matters is, is it true? Is this faith real? If it is, then that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter that there's people there who have conned a congregation. What matters is, I'm not going to let a bad person keep me from truth and beauty and goodness. Yeah? Um, I'm trying to think of how to... Yeah, I think that's where I'm going to go on this. If you find that too cold, I promise I get it. My issue is, I've dealt with this for so long, I hate that I lack sympathy, but I do. And I don't lack sympathy in reason, I lack sympathy in my heart. You know what I mean? Like where you're like, you know, where if I'm your buddy, I'm just like, dude, cowboy up. If this is real, why are you going to let that, right? But I'm not going to say that to 90% of the people I know because we're not that close. And my inability to express it rightly is a failing on my part, not on yours as the receiver. Okay. I, I'm sorry if that wasn't super helpful, but truly, guys, the only question that matters is, is this true? And if it's true, I don't care who's next to me. I don't care if anyone's next to me. Like the one of the big talking points I bumped into, and I, I've backed away like the last three days from talking about Proposal 3 on uh, the internet, right? I've been trying to engage people, and it's going-ish, uh, but one of the things I found, and I mean this, I haven't yet encountered anyone who will argue the point. It's always, well, let's move to the next point, right? Well, wait, what about, I was right here, right? Or was I wrong? Show me. And it just becomes like this list of slogans with no thought anymore um, and no data. Right? Like, and so what ends up happening is I get mad and I get frustrated. I'm like, this is so important of an issue. Don't you want to talk about it? And it's like, no, we'd rather just stay in our comfortable worlds. And I found comfort in this ideology. This ideology tells me that this is good, ergo it's good. Um, but what was it? Yesterday, someone engaged me. And at the end of it, and he never replied, I thanked him. I'm like, thank you. This was an exchange of ideas. We're super far apart. Like, he literally wrote this. I don't care if it's a life. This is between the mother and the doctor. Well, oh, okay. That's a point of view. I disagree with that. But what we, I think he realized, I hope he did this, we're not going to get anywhere. Because if you don't think the fact that it's a human life ends the rest of the discussion... What do we got? You know, hey, vote yes. I'm going to vote no. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. But I found him fair. He actually argued the point. And in the end, I just realized, we got two different operating systems here. <laughs> right? Him going, yeah, I get it's probably a life, but that's her decision. 
She has power wow. over that. Yeah. And again, I hear that and I get chills. As long as it's not his daughter at the end of his life. Right. Oh, man, wouldn't that be a riot? Oh, no, that wouldn't be a riot. No. The irony would be rich. Yes. 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 Okay. There we go. I'm telling you, nursing homes are next. And if you think I'm wrong, oh. you check out Sweden. Right. Have you read about this? Oh, yeah. Now, they're literally having riots and protests about old people just being put down. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. I don't feel like I was super helpful on that, but that's my limitation because I'm like really super close to perfect, but I got a couple inches to go. Here's a follow up to it. How come Carrie laughed so hard when I. Did you hear her? Okay. Um, so, question for Friday's QA. This lines up perfect. Right? Okay. Hey, Father Joe. Hi. I have heard you make comments about not going to places that do tarot cards or advertise that they can talk to loved ones, etc. I also remember you talking about our loved ones, in particular, coming to us in visions and dreams and possibly not believing that. Could you explain more as I often feel my father's presence around me? Okay, yes. Thank you for this question. Um, and thank you for all the questions. I never say that, but I should. Uh, when we talk about tarot cards or what do you call the thing in the newspaper? Um, horoscopes. Horoscopes. When you talk about professional mediums, right? People who claim to commune with the dead. The trouble with that is twofold. One, God explicitly forbid it, right? But if you want to take it a step further, the trouble with those is us initiating contact into the spirit world. There's only two possibilities. One, it's a scam. Yeah, and we've wasted money. Two, it's real and you're screwed. <laughs> because when you enter the spirit world, outside of the means that God provides for us, you are unprotected. And to say that you're a crippled deer on the savanna with a pride of lions three feet away is a little too nice, right? The spirit world is filled with angels and demons. One group has very few rules. And their primary operating thing is destruction. You are abhorrent to demons. So like when you look in your room and you see a hideous, scary bug and you just want to crush it, that's a shadow of what happens when you nance into the spirit world and they see you. Well, what about the angels? The angels stay in the rules. They stay in the system. You didn't enter in the right way. They can't protect you. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's why good is so appears so weak in the first steps of the fight. Because good stays within the system. Evil can give you instant results at an awful price. Evil will give you what it want, what you want, so that it can kill you. Good will give you what you need so that you have life. It's like, yeah, okay. So, well, what about times where you feel your father? I just felt my mom's presence. Well, not really. I guess I saw her in a dream two nights ago, right? And, and I miss her. I do. That's not something I initiated. 
Like when you feel your dad's presence around me, it's because he came. It's not because you did an incantation. It's not because you entered the spirit world. The spirit world entered you. It all goes back to, and this is going to sound funny, but stick with me. Like in communion, if you receive on the hand, right? One of the things the church says is never take the host. You receive the host. That this is why the church's soul is female, because we're the receivers. God is the initiator. And that's how it goes in the spirit world. Does this make sense to you guys? Yeah. And if that's not a helpful distinction, just let me know. It comes down to this. God initiates. We respond. The trouble with witchcraft or mediums or uh, tarot cards is we initiate. And we initiate using means God explicitly forbid. Um. So please make sure and let me know. So someone asked, is the uh, Cajun sister's evaluation of your philosophical education accurate? Namely, when the one nun saw that I had a degree in philosophy from U of M and said everything I learned there was wrong, she used a little more saucy language. Was she right? Oh, absolutely. In many ways, I was sold to what's often called pop philosophy, you know? Like, when you see green, how do you know that when I see green, we're seeing the same thing? Which sounds pretty cool, and I have used to think that all the time. It's a fine thing to think. But the answer is actually easy, because it works. Yeah? And most secular philosophy these days that's being taught is being taught from a method uh, from a philosophical school called now brace for this postmodern deconstructionalism Uh, and the way to think of it is this there is objective truth that's what we catholics embrace what does that mean that means in every situation there is truth available to us and there are falsehoods available to us. So if someone says to me, well, let's use kind of a wild example that might tick you off. And I get it if it does, because it ticks me off sometimes. Uh, When I was in seminary, I was listening to Guns N' Roses, right? This was the 90s. What can I do? And I had a Guns N' Roses CD going in my room, and my neighbor, a guy named John, had Beethoven's Ninth going in his room. And in a fun way, like he wasn't being a jerk. He uh, came over, all of a sudden I hear his music stop, and he comes over, and this was CD days, right? And he throws his CD on the floor, the, the case. And then he goes over, pulls mine out, puts it in the case, throws it on the floor. And he said, Beethoven is objectively more beautiful than Guns. It's better music than Guns N' Roses. Now, that was a tough one for me because I love Beethoven's Ninth. I think it's one of the greatest, I think it is the greatest piece of music ever written. But at the same time, I was like, bro, that's just opinion. And he was like, no, beauty is objective. It's not subjective. We say beauty is in the eye of the holder, the holder, but that's actually not true. There are some things that are more like God than other things. Beethoven is more like the music of heaven than Guns N' Roses. I'm like, okay, I buy that. I buy that. If I like get somehow to heaven and they're playing GNR, I'm going to be pretty shocked. <laughs> Will they be playing Beethoven? No. 
But what they'll be playing will be closer to Beethoven than GNR. Does this make sense? Yeah. Okay. That is objective truth. That's a philosophy that says there is truth. And we can find it. You have preferences, and those are lovely, but they're not truth. So the church will never say the phrase, my truth, because there's really no such thing. There is the truth. And some I embrace and some I don't. And where I don't embrace it, I'm wrong. You say, well, that sounds very arrogant. No, that sounds like respect for truth. Um, so with that, that's what most of the world operated out of until the Industrial Revolution and the, uh, what's the thing that sucked but everyone celebrates it? The Enlightenment. We should do something on that. You were so lied to. Do you know that? I know. Yeah. I mean, the Enlightenment wasn't bad, but, and it's not what you were taught, I think. And I've studied the heck out of this. I mean, make no mistake, they killed nuns and priests, right, as a result of the Enlightenment, right? The French Revolution, you probably weren't taught this, precipitated in the greatest slaughter of clergy since the Roman era. They put priests and nuns on barges, pushed them out into the river, and then sank the barges. They chained them, of course. But, uh, you know, that was enlightenment. You're welcome. That started this movement toward what we call subjectivism. And kind of the king of it, it's a good guy, right? Rene Descartes, who um, Catholic philosophy would say, good shot, bro, but you're wrong. Uh, why? Because this element of subjectivism started to enter the equation. The idea that, well, you say Allah, I say Jesus, it's all the same. Well, there's a crap ton of dead Catholics and Muslims who would tell you very different, right? Because they say very different things about God. One of us is more right than the other. Are one of us perfectly right? No. The church herself says, right in the catechism, we're more wrong about God than we are right, but this is the best we can do as broken people. If my dog could talk and describe its understanding of me, he would be very, very, very wrong. But there'd be elements of rightness in it. Yeah. The problem with relativism, which is what we call it, namely the idea that, well, you have your truth, I have mine. Truth is relative, we say, is that ultimately the longer you soak in a pool of relativism, the more contempt you end up having for truth. Well, my truth is that you can change gender. Really? That's true or it's not. And when we say, well, no, no, that's my truth. Well, then you're going to start to lose respect for truth. And what's going to end up happening is an explosion of ideological bullying, which we see all the time here. Right? This idea of, well, since there is no right or wrong, there's just, well, then whoever can shout the loudest, whoever can fight the dirtiest, they're going to win. How do we do it? Once you soak in the pool of relativism enough, you move into what's called deconstructionalism. Well, there is no meaning. And you get kids with blank faces walking through school shooting other kids. Right? How many of those testimonies have you heard from these school shootings? The kids aren't laughing gleefully or grimacing evilly. What's the thing? 
They have blank faces. They have no meaning. Um, and it's not just that. In plenty of evil situations, you just see this blank face because the evil, in a weird way, isn't even intentional. They've been robbed of the understanding that they exist for a purpose and that the people they hate exist for a purpose. And when you fall into radical deconstructionalism, well, that's where we are today, where whoever wins the argument is the one who can shout the loudest, fight the dirtiest, and have the biggest funding behind the process. Um, it's why sometimes you may hear, and I've done it gently, because I don't want people to live in fear, trying to prepare Catholics for the fact that we're going to suffer a lot, I believe, in the near future. Well, near future, I don't know. Americans lack passion, so it's hard to imagine us sustaining any kind of emotional uh, thing. But um, like Cardinal Francis George, you may remember, said, I'm going to die in my bed. My successor might die in jail. His successor will be executed in the public square. Right? Because we see where this train is going. Why? Well, we've been around forever. There's no older institution that's been continuously functioning than the Roman Catholic Church. We're the oldest person in the room. And we're saying, I know where this goes, guys. We went down this road. Right? Don't do it. And no one cares. Right? Uh, so where did we go? Where is that question? I, I think, uh, I hope this was helpful, and I'm trying to remember what got us. Oh, so when someone said the sister's evaluation, yeah, like by the third week, I'm going, why did I believe any of that? <laughs> like, do you know how a prof, and a good, a good guy, I want to be really clear, I like this cat. When I was at U of M, one of my philosophy profs, when he was ridiculing, now ridiculing is way too strong a word, he was talking about objective philosophy, which is what the church operates out of. There's truth and there's false. Okay? And there's varying degrees of truth and varying degrees of false. Do you know how he described it? He goes, well, see, this is why we abandoned it, because it's ludicrous in the real world. And this is the example he gave. A person who believes in objective truth says that if you're in Nazi Germany and you've got Jews hiding in your house, and the Nazis come and say, do you have Jews in the house? You have to say yes. No, it doesn't. But that's what we were all told. The whole classroom. And frankly, with a smart teacher, a good philosopher. But that was the understanding he taught us of what objective truth means. Now, what does objective truth tell you in that scenario? There is a good. And what is that good? That good is truth. Okay, so I've got a guy here asking for the truth. What's he going to do with the truth when I give it to him? He's going to abuse it. Hmm? I lost my mic. Sorry. How long ago? I don't know. How are you guys doing? Can you check? Are they hearing me? Yeah. Did you guys miss anything? You missed some. Well, I mean, I think you could, they could hear it, just not well. Okay, so I'm going to keep going from where I left off. Okay, yep. what does that say? It says, well, truth is a treasure. And if I give it to him, he's going to use it as a weapon. There is a greater truth at work here, human dignity. Yeah? So, there, it's like so many things. You know, I think I told you about the history prof. Oh, maybe I shouldn't bring I don't know. The history prof 
who did a whole lecture while I was in class. I was there. I was sitting there and talked about how the fact that Cleopatra is always shown as white is because of racism. Did I tell you about this? Cleopatra didn't have a drop of African blood in her. She was Greek. She's Macedonian, technically, but we would say Greece now, right? And they refused to intermarry. She married her brother, who was also Greek and was 12. Rather, than the, yeah. Welcome to the Greek uh, family structure in the third century, eight, second century, first century BC. I don't know, first century BC. Sorry. Uh, what do you have here? You, you, you know, we were just taught so many things that weren't true, and I think people meant well, but it's like, dang. And you can even go into crippling lifelong debt for that kind of information. When does the soul enter the body? Should we force our beliefs on others? We should never force our beliefs on others. It never works, right? Forcing our beliefs doesn't work. Um, and I'm not sure what that like, you mean conversion by sword? Uh, Don't do that. It was a re in a response to when you talked about the... Uh, oh, proposal three, maybe. Oh, yeah, if I may, that's kind of... Um, gosh, I don't know how to say this well. Or It's a bit of a ridiculous proposition, if I may. To say that saying human life starts at some point is me forcing my belief on someone. That's just true. Me forcing my belief on someone would be if I take a religious conviction, namely Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and from now on, every student has to pledge allegiance to Jesus. I'm forcing my beliefs on someone. When I say, oh, we all know what makes babies. We know now. Science has shown us. Yeah? And so you need to have respect for that when you engage in the sexual act because that could make a life. And if it makes a life, you can't just get rid of it as birth control. That's not forcing my beliefs on anyone. That's not being a barbarian, right? That's being a civilized, rational society. You don't need any belief in God to believe that at some point there's a human in there. And the second it's a human, your rights stop at its right to exist. Um, that isn't, uh, uh, there's plenty of atheists who hold that position because I don't mean this cold, it's just common sense. And the reason you can't get people to argue it, the reason then they jump over to, well, aren't you supposed to be a nonprofit? Sure, just like Planned Parenthood. How's that working out? Um, <laughs> sorry, except we make it no money. Um, come Holy Spirit. So when me forcing that on someone has nothing to do with God, except that part of it is, of course, my religion going, you shouldn't legalize killing. But whenever we get to this, what do you get? Well, you Catholics only care about them before they're born. Yawn. Objectively untrue. Now, is that a human life? Well, my body, my choice. Oh, did that apply to the vaccine? Because that was my body, right? And also, by the way, that ain't your body, right? The second the sperm and egg meet, begin a process of creating a totally unique, an unrepeatable human. Ain't you? It has a different blood type than you, often. It has its own heart, its own brains, its own lungs. That's why literally every country I can find says, no abortion after this point, except us. 
right? Because you gotta say at some point there's a life. And I'm actually right here. Got a letter today, right? Shame on me for saying that, right? And why? Because we should say no abortion ever. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'd like that, but that's forcing my beliefs on everybody. I think we can all agree in this multicultural society, yeah, that's a human in there. At some point, let's just find one. Hey, would I like that? No. I would like outside of life of the mother, right? Life of the mother? Yeah, the church gets it. But even this person's mad at me for saying that. Okay, and that, by the way, I get it. I do. But what I've learned to recognize is when I'm in a multicultural society, what I want to happen doesn't always happen. You know, how, how did that go? Do you get me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This forcing my beliefs on others, I don't mean to be, no, this is just truth. It has nothing to do with God. Is there a human in there? How did it get there? Right? I would assume you cooperated with the process. You know, and then people, well, what about rape and incest? We're literally, statistically talking about less than 2% of all abortions. So I'll tell you what, I'll agree with all of you who say that. Yes, okay, let's have, we, let, I think it's awful, but let's allow abortions for rape and incest. Now, will you agree with me about the 98% of all the other abortions? Because if not, then you're just throwing a diversion tactic. Well-meaning, I'm sure. Okay. My little saucy, I don't mean to be. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on possession versus mental health? Um, you know, I don't have my own thoughts on this because I don't do exorcisms. But Father Gabriel Amorth, who's who used to be, he's, he's with the Lord now, I hope. Uh, he was the world's leading exorcist for a really, really long time. He just died a few years ago. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. You know what his position on this? And to be honest, the church doesn't embrace it. Okay. Church isn't like, woohoo, you're right. He says, I'll just do an exorcism over anyone who asks. Because if it's a mental health issue, it doesn't hurt them. Like an exorcist is not what you see on TV. I've been to three. They're not anything like you see on TV. It's a very quiet, gentle, prayerful process. And frankly, his position, which I find reasonable, is if I do have the first prayer of exorcism over you and you're possessed, we'll know. <laughs> if you're not, we'll know. Nothing will happen. And again, there's no yelling, there's no chaining, there's no, oh my gosh, that's TV. Okay. So that's his position, and I embrace it. That seems reasonable to me. Um, I know a lot of 60s and 70s scripture commentaries, and I mean the 1960s and 70s, uh, talks about how, oh, you know, whenever they say possession in the Bible, it was a seizure. That's not true. Uh, the Bible knew, the people then knew the difference. Well, like we do, in a sense. There were people who knew something sometimes went wrong with people's chemistry. Uh, so it's just one of those things where, I, and I, I, it drives me nuts, but we fall into that. People in the past were stupid, right? They were dumb about, I don't know, space, the final frontier. These were the voyages of the Star Trek Enterprise. Their continuing mission to explore new worlds yeah. and seek out new galaxies, something, I don't know, anyway. <laughs> there were things they were very ignorant of. There were very few things they were stupid on because they weren't as busy as us. 
And when they were busy, they were actually doing meaningful things. They were providing food for their families. They weren't going to the fifth practice that month, that day, right? They were actually working with a purpose instead of staying busy to not stop. These people stopped and thought all the time. Read Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, and let your mind melt, and then think of this. This will kill you. Everybody got it. (laughs) Socrates would go into a town and do the stuff that you and I have to study for years to understand. He'd do a lecture, and people like, oh, yeah, man. Such that they had to kill him because so many people were buying it, right? What was one of the charges in the trial against Socrates? That he was taking an ax to the root of society, and he was. He was beautifully corrosive. Yeah. Um, That's how smart these cats were. I mean, think about it. Uh, Whew. Okay. Um... What is the church's position on medical marijuana? Spark up a doobie. I just wanted to say that. I did. Remember Tommy Boy? Wasn't that Tommy Boy? Um, no, not Tommy Boy. Uh, Matt, Matt Foley, motivational speaker, right? Yeah. I hear you're not using paper to write as much as for rolling doobies. You're going to be doing a lot of doobie rolling. When you're living in a van down by the river. Okay. If you don't get that, it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Just type into YouTube, Matt Foley, motivational speaker. Oh my gosh. Okay. What is the church's position on medical marijuana? My mom works in a doctor's office, and from what she told me, it seems to be more and more prevalent in mainstream medicine. The church is always going to ask you to fight for freedom. So like, I know me, I have an incredibly addictive personality. What does that mean? Probably not gonna have any, right? Even if a doctor says this might be helpful, maybe I would, but I I don't know. I know I'm not good at any kind of thing, stopping anything like that when I start. It's just me, uh, I, I, you know what I mean? Um, I know, and I'm going to be candid here, and this I, I think uh, the appropriate phrase is trigger warning. I'm going to talk about suicide and depression, okay? I know cloaking depression with it only makes it worse. Um, and that's a medical fact. Um, I've buried folks who found great relief in marijuana from their depression symptoms. But like any drug, you need more of it to do less as time goes on. Your body adapts, yeah? Um, I know when they did the medical marijuana in Michigan years ago, and I was with the East Lansing police, and we called Michigan Avenue the Green Mile, because all of a sudden every store was popping up and it was a dispensary, and everybody had, and this was the phrase, ready? Whenever you see someone, I got the glaucoma. Um, so it's supposed, I know there's things that helps with, I asked my doctor about it. Should I spark up a doobie? And she said, for my arthritis, right? I got painful arthritis in my knee. And she said, honestly, there's nothing marijuana can give you that I can't give you in a pill. Right? So I don't know. Uh, I'm, uh, what is the church's position? If you can enjoy something without abusing it or losing your freedom, well, there you go. Does that make sense? Did that help? Okay. And I think I'm saying it right, okay? Because obviously, 
the church is not fast. She's a big old boat. And so the U.S., which constitutes less than 5% of the world's Catholics, passing a law is not necessarily something the church is going to talk about for a long time. Yeah. Part of the reason we, I think we were just talking about this. Part of the reason the American Catholic Church got in so much trouble after Vatican II is a weird combination of bishops not really reading Latin well and them not translating the documents into English because there's so few English-speaking Catholics in comparison to the rest of the world, right? So, for example, in the U.S., if you take every Protestant religion and group them as one, which they're not, but you get me, there's still more Catholics in this country than there are them, right? Yet, with that, there's more Catholics in China, and they make up less than 2% of China's population, yeah, isn't that crazy? You know, and more and more European nations are unchurched, but you look at Africa, you look at India, you look at the Philippines and South America, and Catholicism is blowing up, right? Not just by birth, but by choice, which is pretty cool. Anywhere where Catholics are suffering, it's exploding, except the Middle East where they killed us all. Okay, how are we doing? Are people happy? Yeah? Okay, Father Joe. I was recently in a discussion with other Catholics about global warming, and one of them said it wasn't real because God would not allow it. Uh, well, God didn't prevent either of the world wars either. Our free will got us into this mess, and our actions are needed to get out of it. What is the church's opinion on global warming? Thank you. Okay, yeah, the whole, well, God didn't prevent it is really weird. Uh, he let us kill his boy. Um, he's going to let a lot happen because he can't violate our free will. Uh, if you want to read the strongest statements from the Roman Church on environment, read Pope Benedict's stuff. Like, people are like, oh, Pope Francis. And great. Yay. Love him if you want. I love him. But Pope Benedict is the one who wrote the most on the environment and how we're supposed to be good stewards of our creation. I think the worst thing that happened to our discussion on the environment is that we let it become Republican versus Democrat. Uh, so that really was a shame uh, because then the Democrats did crazy stuff, right? With the, you know, if uh, now they're regulating cow gas, right? And then, of course, the Republicans went the other way crazy because that's just what we do. We're, like, this is the Proposal 3 thing, the most insane proposal out there, and it's being presented as the norm. It's the same with global warming. Here's the key. We need to know God gave us this earth, and it says in Genesis that we're supposed to master and subdue it. We're supposed to care for it. Um, and I think that's really important. My, theory, my personal thing on global warming is by me acting like it's true, I don't lose anything. Uh, if I act like it's not true and it is true, I've lost something very big. Yeah. Uh, so... I uh, try hard, like even just this morning, I know it's dumb, but I promise, I do this all, all the time. I went to fill up this um, container and it takes forever to get hot water in my kitchen, right? So what did I do? I turned it on and then I'm not kidding guys, it'll take three minutes before I can get hot water. And I started to walk away because it's habit. It's like, no, 
you know, just put regular water in there, <laughs> right? And you can make it warm later. Uh, does this make sense? Just little things like that, I try. I try to uh, make sure I'm conscious of the fact that while we have a crap ton of water in Michigan, everybody else doesn't. Um, and I want to be respectful. Every drop of water is a gift, you know? Yeah. Would you explain the lunchbox on your shelf? I sure will. Let me look and see what it is. Oh, my Kung Fu lunchbox or the Hot Wheels? Mm -hmm. uh, Kung Fu is the one they can see. Oh, I love that show. When I was a kid, didn't, you, didn't everybody? Right yeah. There. I know my brothers did. Yeah. Uh, remember uh, a little grasshopper? And I don't know, maybe mine was the last generation to have these. Did you have these when you were a boy? No. Uh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It was just kind of a fun thing from my past. Uh, and then Hot Wheels. I loved Hot Wheels. Of course, what redneck boy? Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about Hot Wheels, you remember those orange tracks? Yeah. If mom couldn't find anything to hit us with, she'd grab those. Yeah. Those hurt. You know, and it was like, run! You know. So that was the... Um... Do we refer to our guardian angel as a he or she? Uh, angels don't have gender, yeah? Um, humans have gender, angels don't. So, uh, I guess it, which sounds so cold, doesn't it? That's why, you know, that's why you see like most statues of angels, they have women's faces and hair and men's body. It's not because the author's confused, it's because they don't have gender. And that was the best way they could show it. Right. Uh, the older the statue of the angels, the more you see that. They'll have a man's face and a woman's body or a woman's face and a man's body. And it's just their way of saying there's no gender. They don't have genitalia. Can I say that? Okay. Whew. All right. Can you have a series at some point in the future about the history of Catholicism in Latin America? I think so. Um, it's... Uh, it's an interesting topic, you know, because, boy, I'd have to do a lot of research. I'm not a Latin American history guy. I mean, I know my Aztecs really well. Uh, I know something, some about the Mayans, um, you know, and I know the first thing we brought was viruses, right, which wiped out 95% of the population. Um, I think I just talked about that, didn't I? Did I talk about why we had viruses and they didn't? Should I do that? Sure. Yeah? Okay, I've never talked about this? So, like, when Columbus or, or Cortez, uh, when those guys came here and they brought viruses, why didn't they get viruses, too? Um, and it's actually kind of simple and awful. But just to give you a sense of things... When Cortes hit Mexico, um, he started, and of course, by accident, he brought a bunch of viruses with him. And nobody in South, Central, or North America at that point had ever had a virus. So if you think about the bubonic plague, the Justinian plague, this, I mean, every plague that had happened to that point all of them were unleashed. Uh, and it moved fast. 
all the way up to North America before Europeans got there. Um, and when Europeans started landing in North America, they were seeing less than 7% of the Native American population just 30 years before. Right? Think about that. I know. Right? So how did it happen? Well, if you look at your... Well, first thing you got to remember, how to say this well, the virus doesn't want to kill you. Right? A virus that gets in you wants to live there just in peace and harmony. And like they have little coexist uh, stickers on them. They don't want to kill you because if you die, they die. Uh, the fact that they kill you is because they're not made for you. So does that make sense? That's the first principle. Okay. So then where do viruses come from? They come from the things that live inside of, like, let's take a cow, because Jojo likes steak. So you take a cow, and a cow has things inside of it that it lives at peace with, right? Because all the cows that don't live at peace with died of it. Good? Mm -hmm. Cows got a virus. Mm -hmm. Killed a whole ton of cows. The cows that didn't die, they carry that virus all around with them. Fine. Everything's fine. If you have a ton of cows, you've got a ton of viruses. And if somehow over the years, cow blood gets in human blood, that human gets that virus. And now that virus needs to burn through all the humans and kill the ones that can't live with it. We doing good? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then what else we got? Pigs. Same thing with pigs. Whatever viruses they had, at some point, human blood and pig blood got all mixed together in a human, and oh my, a crap ton of humans died. And the ones that lived, okay, we can carry this virus. And you could do that with every domesticated animal. Mm -hmm. Now think, and then what did we do in Europe? Well, we got in big groups. We started living in cities. Once we mastered farming, well, then we didn't have to have everybody living on the farm. We could have Carrie live on a farm and do enough to provide for the 20 families in the city. And we could have 9,000 of us out there, and then we're sending food into the city, so now everybody doesn't have to be a farmer. And what are they going to be? Well, I'm going to be a butcher. And so you've got humans in tight, close groups in, a, in European cities, and they've all got viruses, and they're all giving them to each other, and everybody's dying. And the ones that aren't dying, well, now they carry that virus. Now let's jump over to South America. What animals did they domesticate? None. They had no domesticated animals. They had no cows. They had no domesticated pigs. They had no domesticated chickens. They had no, they domesticated nothing. The only animals they had a shot at were uh, bison, which are undomesticatable. Right? Even to this day, we can't domesticate them. And what do you call those llamas? Which, what are you going to do? You don't eat llamas. So they also didn't have a tendency to get in big crowded groups. So there were no viruses there. Their bodies had no defenses. And so Cortez gets off his boat and he's carrying with him six, seven diseases that will be fatal to about, well, each one would be fatal to about 40% of the population. And what's the first thing they did? Fought and fornicated, for lack of a better phrase. And what happened? Boom. 
just blew right out. So, uh, yikes. I can tell you that history, and I can tell you some of it, but when you look at Catholicism, you get a mixed bag. You get some very noble church people who fought like heck for the dignity of the indigenous folks, and you got some who didn't. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's a wreck. I might try to do it. Didn't I do a whole thing on Cristeros? Mm -hmm. You know, if you get a chance, sis, could you help me remember? You might want to look up. I did at least a one-parter, probably two or three. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, it was more than Okay, it was more than one. You really want to hear that. Oh, forgive me. That sounded self-serving. I don't mean it in terms of, you know, you need to hear it from me. You need to look up Cristeros. It happened just over 100, just a little over a hundred years ago when Catholicism was made illegal in Mexico and a whole ton of people died. 70% of the Roman Catholic clergy in the early 1900s in Mexico was executed or exiled. Um, and that wasn't that long ago. Right? Okay, time to wrap up. Did the plague thing make sense? Yes. Because that's big, right? That's huge. When people talk about genocide, they usually don't I think understand what the real genocide was. It wasn't an intentional, let's kill all the natives. They couldn't have, <laughs> they had no shot. But the stuff they didn't know they were carrying around and just handing out, yikes. Okay, so uh, I will see you on Wednesday where we will continue our walk through the desert with Moses. And I think we decided to call it Desert Living with Moses on Next HGTV. <laughs> um, and, you know, building there is really simple. You know, you, you use sand. <laughs> and then you, you sand. Yeah, and don't use the water in building because you're going to need to drink it. All right, so with all of that, salad pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, thank you for today. And for those of us in Michigan, thank you for the sun and, uh, and, and actually kind of warm weather. Uh, we're very grateful. Thank you in a special way today for the seventh graders at our school who returned from their wonderful camp. Thank you for uh, the, the mom we laid to rest this morning, and, and please bless her family with healing in their grief. Lord, help us to be really committed to the truth, even when we hate it, to embrace it as a gift, because Jesus, you are the truth, all wrapped up in human flesh. And Lord, in a special way today, we pray for all of those hurt by us church people, us broken sinners who sometimes with the best of intention, other times with lack of intention, and sometimes just out of plain badness. For those times we are cruel and drove people from your church, we are so sorry. Please heal those broken hearts. And Father, you know all these people, and, and we love them so much, and we worry about them. And you know, Father, all of the situations in our life that we fret about, we give all of it to you, Lord, because we love you and we trust you. 
And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My Kung Fu is strong. I'll see you people next week. And until then, peace. Is it over? No, it's never.